Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. All right, time to talk a little football to get things started here on a Monday morning. Uh, what a week for college football, and we might as well look ahead as look back. Already the USC-Washington State game has been moved from Friday to Sunday. Uh, for BYU fans, we're hoping they could play Miami because Miami didn't have a game this week. Well, Florida State can't play, so now Duke needs opponent. Guess what? Miami's playing Duke. Miami's off the table. Tom Homo tweeting out last night that he's got some... Uh, He's got some calls out, he's got the feelers out, and he's going to have to see where it goes. It'll be interesting to see what we see popping up today on Twitter. Uh, you know there'll be something. Uh, as for the Utes, uh, woulda, coulda, shoulda. They're good enough to beat Washington if they stop turning the ball over. Of course, as you know, they don't stop turning the ball over. They had four turnovers. And maybe excuse the last one is desperation, but the first three sunk them. If they had had two turnovers... I think they would have won the game. If they'd had one, I'm sure they would have. They're talented. They make plays. But the turnovers are destroying all the good work. Nine turnovers in two games is an outrageously high total. Uh, here's Kyle Whittingham after the youth blow a 21-0 lead and lose to Washington 24-21. Okay, tough loss, obviously. Um, a lot of positive things in that game. Uh, the way we played in the first half was, was uh, indicative of who we, who we can be. But we didn't finish. There's... Uh, there's 60 minutes of football. We played 30 of them. And uh, came out in the second half and didn't get much done. That was the entire talk at halftime was was finishing the game and, and uh, taking a 0-0 mentality in that second half. Just weren't able to do it. And weren't able to make any plays in the second half like we were making in the first half. The encouraging thing is, is that's who we can be in the first half. And that's, that's the football team that we're capable of being. Like I said, you got to put uh, two halves together to, to finish the deal. Um, a, lot of, a lot of positives, like I said. We got three takeaways on defense. Um, but uh, you know, the same problem we had last week, uh, offensively turning the ball over. We had four more turnovers today and this afternoon. And uh, when you play good teams like uh, USC and Washington are, uh, you're not going to win turning the ball over. That was the biggest difference in the game four turnovers just like last week uh, same thing with five turnovers so we're still a work in progress I'm proud of a lot of the guys that uh, had their first chance tonight at extensive play um, and uh, we got some good good players in the program we just got to put it all together we got to kind of come back to work on Monday and be ready to uh, show results and uh, be able to bounce back not feel sorry for ourselves not hang our heads but uh, just uh, continue to move forward. I really believe this could be a good football team at some point. And uh, we just got to keep coaching them as best we can. We got to coach better, obviously. And there's no, it was a team loss. There's no uh, one position unit or one uh, player or anything like that that, that, was, uh, that was the uh, reason for the loss. It starts with the coaching staff and goes down from there. And, and we got to coach them better and, and be. Uh, have a better approach to, to that second half than we had tonight. They'd have a better answer and a better, a better uh, way to uh, motivate our guys and get them the mindset that you have to finish the game. So, questions? First, we'll go to Trevor Allen of KSLSports.com, followed by Josh Newman, Salt Lake Chronicle, Cole Bagley, Daily Utah Chronicle. Go ahead, Trevor. Kyle, I, I know you want to check out the film first, but just having watched that that, that game, uh, you were really critical about the O-line last week. How did they do this week? Well, certainly in the first half, we did better. 
Um, not as good in the second half as the first half, but I think you could probably say that about everyone in the program, coaches included. Uh, but in that first half, we, uh, we did some pretty good things. We're 21 points, and things were uh, pretty clean. Second half, not so much. You know, and again, we had, just like you said, we had to look at the tape and figure out why, but, but uh, a really good half of football. And like I said, the whole team, really good half, first, really good first half. And then, and then uh, very few good things in the second half. And, and uh, I think we can say that about every, every facet, every phase. Josh Newman, followed by Cole Bagley. Kyle, how frustrating were the turnovers tonight, specifically um, uh, the Ty Jordan fumble and the Bentley pick where he was looking for Covey? Yeah, those were uh, backbreakers. Those two certainly didn't help our cause. And, and uh, I firmly believe that we have probably done and scored on the, you know, when, fumbled, uh, when Ty fumbled there uh, in the red zone. But uh, he did some really good things for us tonight. He's an electrifying player. He's, uh, he's got uh, a lot of skill. And he's going to do a lot of good things for this program while he's here. Um, yeah, Jake, I'm sure he wishes he had that, that throwback that he uh, was trying to hit Covey on. And, uh, you know, and our, our defense you know, allowing the Huskies to go right down the field in the first drive in the second half. That's always critical in the, uh, you know, in the first drive of the second half, whether you're on O or on D, to, to have, you know, play, play good football. And we didn't play good football at all on the first drive. They went right through us and uh, got their first touchdown. In fact, the whole third quarter, we didn't play very well on defense. We gave 17 points in the third quarter and, of course, the, the final touchdown at the end. Cole Bagley, followed by Steve Bartle. Uh, defensively, it seemed like you were giving up the slot quite a bit, especially to their tight end, Cade Oten. Is there any particular reason you think that kept happening? Well, we just kept not matching up properly. We played primarily zone again tonight. They, uh, and that tight end's a good player. He's a really good player. So he didn't see him come into the game. We do that. And he was their favorite target. And uh, they uh, got him loose. I don't know how many catches he had on the stats. Again, it's hard to get stats for sure, I guess. But uh, he must have had, what, uh, you have stats? You have seven or eight catches. But he timely catches and things, uh, catches that move the chains in uh, critical situations. We just got to do a better job. Let's go to Ryan Koshkacka. Hey, Coach, it seemed early on you really tried to get, you know, Keithy and Thompson involved. What changed in the second half because they weren't nearly as involved in that kind of a game plan? Yeah, got to take a look at uh, what we did uh, from a, you know offensive standpoint and, and uh, figure out uh, why, why we stopped getting the uh, ball to the, the playmakers. Uh, and that's, you know, that's always job one on offense. It's not about the plays. The plays are almost irrelevant. It's about getting the ball in the hands of weapons. And that's something that we got to make. A, we were better this week than last week, but still not good enough, particularly in the second half. And uh, you got to know who your playmakers are and do what you need to do to get the ball in their hands. Didn't do a good enough job of that in the second half. Go to Patrick Kinahan to be followed by Josh Furlong. Go ahead, DK. Look like for the second game in a row, you held the opposing team very well on the rushing. But in this particular game, it seemed like they burned you a lot on third down and eight, that type of situation. What do you need to do to clean that up? Well, the main culprit, just to, you know, watching the game as it was unfolding, is our zone drops weren't matching up. And you know, zone coverage is, is kind of a misnomer. You get zone coverage, but you match up man-to-man with the guy in your zone. And we didn't do a good enough job of defending guys within our zone, and that's why they 
uh, third down production. Was, again, I don't have statistics, but we're going to guess that we weren't very good on third down defensively. They they uh, seem to move the chains on third down time after time. And uh, really the problem was zone coverage uh, not matching up. And also our pass rush wasn't as big as it was last week. Uh, pass rush was, was uh, not as uh, impactful as it was last week. I don't even know if we had a sack but uh, that was another problem is, is they did a good job in the fast pro and we didn't do a good job. Getting the quarterback probably could have dialed up a little more pressure on defense and try to speed things up in the quarterback, but that's, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. But uh, in hindsight, that's probably what we should have done. Our final two questions will come from Josh Furlong and Josh Newman. Now, last week we talked about feeding uh, Ty Jordan the ball a little bit more. This week he obviously got the ball more and had his a couple of uh, deep runs. What is he starting to separate himself as maybe the lead back, and, and what makes him so effective as as that guy as a freshman? Yeah, it sure. Looks like he's starting to separate himself. Now the other backs do bring things to the table, uh, pass protection wise, receiving wise, on the ties and outstanding receivers as well. And you did see us get him the ball a lot more often tonight than uh, last week. What makes him so effective? First of all, he's got great speed. He's a ten five hundred meter guy in the high school track team. He's got great balance. He's tough. He's built really well for running back. He's not the tallest kid. He's 5'8", 5'9". He's close to 200 pounds. And, and uh, it's really uh, just a tough guy to tackle. He's got that low center of gravity. He's got good vision. And so he's uh, he's going to do a lot of good things for us during his career. He's telling me he's uh, just getting started. And uh, we did see a lot more production of him tonight than we might have supposed to last week. And that's because we got the ball more. Did we get him in the ball enough? The ball enough? I don't know. I have to look at the film and the statistics and see uh, see what he ended up with. But I know he's one of our playmakers. We talked about, you know, when we talked earlier about getting the ball in the playmakers' hands, he's certainly one. Final question will come from Josh Newman, Salt Lake Tribune. Kyle, this has been a weird week. You guys were supposed to play Arizona State. The opponent gets changed. Uh, the game time tonight gets changed. Can you kind of reflect on, on what this week was and just kind of how weird this short season has been so far? A weird year, that's for sure. And it, and it really, uh, it's a mental challenge, especially for coaches when you're, you're so regimented and you have things, uh, your routine and your process and your and the way you your schedules and, and to be uh, in flux almost all the time. <laughs> that's it's challenging, but, but the whole country's going through it, so it's not unique to us, obviously. But it was uh, it was a, a fairly turbulent week when we found out Tuesday night that uh, we had changed opponents, and then uh, we had, uh, fortunately, Wednesday and Thursday to, to practice for the you know, the new opponent, just like they had for us in you know, equal footing. And but but as coaches, coaches have built a certain way, and uh, that way is not to just continually change, you know day-to-day or even hour-to-hour, but, but you have to. You have no choice because it's a situation we're in. And so you got to uh, figure it out, figure out the best way to, to uh, make the best of a bad situation. There's Kyle Whittingham after the loss at Washington, and the Utes are already uh, like nine, nine-and-a-half-point favorites over Oregon State this week, even though Oregon State just beat Oregon. All right, got to take a break. When we come back, Donovan Mitchell on his new contract. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. 
from Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Donovan Mitchell has a massive new contract. Expectations, a five-year, $163 million deal. Could go to $195 million if he makes an all-NBA team this year. He gets asked about that, about the expectations, about the changes in his game in the bubble, and are they sustainable going through this year, and can he even improve on that? Here's Donovan Mitchell with the media. Hey, Don, good to see you. I hope you're doing well. Thank you. Good to see you. Uh, I was just wondering if you could just uh, tell us how important it was for you to get the extension taken care of uh, right off the bat and also uh, why it was that um, I know I know some fans are curious to know why it was that you were pushing so much for that uh, player option on the fifth year. Yeah. Um, first off, you know, I'm, I'm blessed and, and honored to, to be in a position to have this extension. Um, for, for me, you know, I'm really looking forward to getting with these guys, you know, getting JC in favor, big pieces, um, we're ready to get going. You know, we felt like we had a great, great bubble. I mean, solid bubble, you know, things we did really well as a group. And, you know, that was without Boyan. Now we add Boyan to the piece. We bring Fave back. JC's coming back. I think we have, you know, good pieces to, to make a real push for this thing. And, you know, it's funny as far as the, the, uh, extension talking and all that, uh, the play option stuff for me. Biggest thing, man, is just being in a position to take care of my family. Um, at the end of the day, that's you know I love this game, but I want to make sure my family uh, is, is set first. And um, that's really it for me, um, just making sure my family is set because I'm trying to win, trying to win championships. But at the end of the day, you know, I go back home to my mom, my sister, my, my dad, my family, and make sure everybody's good. Thank you. Next up, we'll go uh, Sarah Todd, Desert News. Hey, Don, um, this might be a little bit of a weird question, but it's, you're going to be getting significantly more money than you were on your last deal. And I'm wondering if you have any plans, like is there something that you're planning on purchasing or something that you had in mind? Um, there, there are a few things in mind. I won't go in depth of what they are. Um, I think, you know, the biggest thing I wanted to do, you know, now that I've done so many different things, you know, off the floor as far as giving back, you know, I'm in a position now where I can, you know, do things on a higher level um, as far as, you know, giving to kids, maybe going to, to, to colleges, you know, who can't afford it, uh, giving back to schools, giving back to kids who can't even afford, you know, groceries or, or different things. So I think that's really where my focus is at. Like I said, to take care of my family to start, but also take care of others. You know, like I said, it's, it's just it's a lot, you know, and I'm blessed to be in this position. But, you know, um, I do know that I'm not going to just change up who I am. I'm going to continue to do what I've been doing. And as far as giving back and, you know, whether it's to my, my sister or to someone in need, I'm just going to continue to do that. Um, but, you know, I, I can't really tell you what, you know, the, the big purchase is going to be yet. I have some ideas, but we'll see. Uh, Ryan Miller, KSL. Hey, Don, I'm just curious, considering where you were drafted, where you were kind of projected to be in this league, what, what does it mean to you to be considered a max player in the NBA? Um, it's, it's an honor, you know, but it doesn't stop there uh, for me. You know, I think, like I said, this is a blessing. You know, this is life-changing for myself and my family. But for me, you know, 
I look at it as we know we lost in the lat we lo- we blew a three one lead this year. You know, I look at it for myself as we need to find a way to get over that hump in the first round, find a way to push and get to a championship. Um, that's really on the forefront of my brain. You know, I, I think, you know, now everybody, you know, everybody's kind of coming at me with, you know, how do you feel? How do you feel? Um, at the end of the day, you know, we lost. And that's really where my head is at. Like, I, I'm not saying I'm not, um, you know, extremely humbled and blessed to have this opportunity. But now that, you know, my family, like I said, my family's taken care of, you know, now I'm really at a point where it's like we, we need to win. Uh, and find ways to to do that, you know. Like I said, we brought two great, we brought JC back, brought Fave back, got some great rookies in the draft. Um, so for us, it's like, how do we win and how do we push, uh, push forward? And um, that's really where I'm at mentally. Uh, how about Tony Jones, the athletic? Hey Don, um, when you look at this year. Um, one of the questions that that I think about is 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 how's the turnaround for you guys? You guys last played in September, and you guys are starting up in Zoom. I mean, starting up in December, and you know, as you head into training camp, what are you, what are the questions that linger for you guys as you guys head into camp uh, on Tuesday? Uh, I think you know, for us, I think the the biggest thing is making sure everybody's healthy. Um, and when I say that, you know, it's going to be you know. It's either injuries, it's it's possibly COVID, making sure we're good. You know, I think the biggest thing when guys were training uh, was not over training. You know, we just, like you said, we stopped playing September 1st and we're now at, you know, about to be December 1st uh, coming up soon. You know, so that's not, it's a quick turnaround, but you as, as hard as you work, you have to make sure, we had to make sure as all of us were taking care of our bodies, making sure we're staying safe, making sure we're doing things that don't deter us from our ultimate goal. Um, so that's really much, pretty much been the message. And um, the team has been great. Guys have been great. Oh, sorry. Can you guys um, can you guys see me? Sorry, I'm gonna turn my phone on. Do not do not disturb. Okay, there we go. Um, but no. So I think you know the biggest thing is you know not deterring from that from that ultimate goal, which is to get a championship. And I said I think a lot of I think our, our mindset's in the right place as a team. You know we have a lot of things we can definitely improve on. We we have a lot of things we did well, and guys stepped up big time. And it's all about development, but also taking care of ourselves, making sure we're in, uh, our bodies are right. Because like you said, it is a quick turnaround. It's going to be a it, it's obviously a shortened season, but you know there's more back to backs. There's so many different things that play into it. We just got to make sure we're ready to go. Uh, we'll go with Ben Anderson, KSL Sports. Donovan, so often uh, NBA players talk about trying to get to that second contract, you know, out of their rookie deal and the pressure they feel just to get there. What was that like for you hanging over your head? And now that it is done, how do you see yourself changing or feeling differently? Um, Quite frankly, uh, Ben, to be honest with you, I wouldn't say it was necessarily hanging over my head because at the end of the day, you know, I'm in a position where, as y'all know, I've said this to y'all before, like when I got drafted and to do what I did my rookie year, I was, you know, in shock, um, to be honest with you. A lot of guys say they, this is what they, I dreamt of it, but I didn't expect it all to happen so fast. For me, it was like, I'm just going to continue to do what got me here. You know, I'm going to continue to be the same person, same player, same work ethic, and everything else will kind of just fall into place. And if it doesn't, that's how it's meant to be. If it does, then, you know, that's, all, that's God's decision. You know, God has a plan and I'm, I'm just following it and continuing to do things that, you know, have allowed me to get to this point. Um, I will say it's 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 a uh, it's a stress relief. I'll tell you that you know it's something that you definitely can sit back and you know breathe. You know it's definitely one of those moments. But you know as long as you know myself and my teammates and my coaches, we're all putting the work in. We're all going to reap the benefits from what the work we put in, um, and that's that's 
been my mindset as a rookie. You know, it's obviously been talks about it since my rookie year, since my second year, and even last year. But, you know, at the end of the day, as long as you put the work in, you'll, you'll reap the benefits from it. And um, this is just another example of that. Great. We'll go uh, with Eric Woodyard, ESPN. Uh, what's up, man? How you doing? What's up, e? Two-part question for you, man. Um, obviously, I look at your draft class and you look at, you know, it's been a couple other Max guys. You know, what do you think about your draft class? Do you guys have an opportunity to go down as one of the NBA's best? And the second part, you've been one of the guys in the league that have been so interactive with fans, you know, giving out shoes and, and things of that nature. Will, you know, what's your thoughts on returning with fans? You guys are one of the team. And, like, will, will that change your interaction with fans at all? Because you have uh, – so I answer the first question uh, first. I think you know I, I've talked to every, I talked to all myself. Uh, I talked to Bam Fox, uh, JT, um, and you know they're kind of in the same place I'm. It's like we're blessed, but we're ready to go. You know, and I think that just is a testament to not just us four, but the guys in our draft class. Man, we're never like not satisfied. You know, I think we, like I said, if we continue to put the work in. Who knows? You know what may come from it. You know, as long as we continue to do what we're doing myself. Uh, first time also this year, Bam, JT, Fox is, you know, doing his thing. Um, Bam's made the finals. JT's made the conference finals. I've been in the playoffs each year. So just trying to find ways, you know, to, to better ourselves. I think we do have an opportunity to be, to be really talented as a, as a draft class. And it's a deep draft class, you know, uh, from top to bottom. You know, you look at, you know, Josh Hart, who went late in the, in the, in the first round. You got Kuz down there, too. Um, so there's so many guys, you know, in our draft class that's, that's doing a, a pretty – Pretty good thing. So at the, at the end of the day, I think we have just a, a group of guys in that class who's just ready to, to continue working and, you know, possibly the best players that they can. Um, and that's that's been my – I've played with these guys in high school, and so I've known them for pretty much my, my whole life, basically. And now we're in a position where we're making money, playing for our families, playing for our fans, and possibly trying to win a championship so we could possibly do big things. And as far as your second question um, – can you? Was it? What was it again? I was just saying. You know, you guys are going to be one of the teams that, that that's going to have fans, you know, around. And with you being so interactive, what is your thoughts on fans returning? And like, will it change your interaction at all? Um, I think a little bit. You know, not in a negative way. Just a matter of staying safe. You know, um, I think. You know, I think. Like I said, the NBA wouldn't have put this plan together, and, and we wouldn't have agreed to it if it wasn't. You know, safe. You know, we we did a great job with the bubble, and I think this will be something that you know we'll. we'll we'll do what we feel is safe. And that's just the PA and the NBA. Um, but I think it will change a little bit, obviously, with, you know, I, obviously I, I would love giving back in as much as I do. But at the end of the day, if I if I happen to, to get or be around it, we're, we're shut down for a week. You know, that's a week out of the season. And this isn't football where you can, you know, we play once a week. We're playing twice, three, maybe four times a week. And those are four games that at the end of the day, come playoff time, you know, you miss those four games. You never know what may happen, uh, in this, especially in this loaded conference in the West. So you got to be careful. Got to be cautious. Um, but at the end of the day, if it's safe, you know, I'm, I'm glad we have, I'm glad we're one of the teams to have fans and, you know, it'd be great to play in front of the home crowd. Good luck this year, man. Congrats again. Too. Thank you. Thanks, e. Yeah. <clears throat> Next up, we'll have a uh, David Locke jazz radio. Donovan, uh, congratulations. Uh, I got a, uh, on court, off court for you. So on court, you obviously exploded offensively in the bubble. How has that kind of altered the way you've trained between now and then and how you feel about your game and what you're capable of. And then off court, it seems, you know, you and Jalen and maybe CJ uh, have taken kind of the young guy's role on social issues moving forward and social injustice. Do you see that, you know, as a major part of the legacy of your career as you, as you move forward here? 
Yeah. Um, so your first part was about offensively training in the summer. Is that what you said? Or fall? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, it's, it's weird to say. Um, but um, as far as, you know, the biggest thing I noticed, you know, I was able to, to, to just play with more pace. Uh, play When I say with pace, you know, everybody thinks, you know, I'm explosive, I'm quick. Being able to slow myself down, slow the game down, that happens in a variety of ways. You know, being on the ball a little bit more, you know, knocking down the, the, the three ball really helped it expand my game. It allowed me to get into the paint, make the right reads, and not just, you know, scoring. Everybody saw, you know, the 50-point the games or whatever, but what I saw was I was making plays that is not even just scoring, but finding guys, putting guys in position to score, doing the same thing for others that I hadn't done in my first three years um, or two and a half, whatever you want to call it. Um, so for me, that was really the jump that I saw and I could continue to make, you know, the decision-making, getting into the paint, finding guys, being able to run the floor so Mike has a lane to get open, being able to pick it up on the defensive end, you know, um, guarding Jamal uh, in, in game seven. That's a challenge that I'm, you know, starting to get back to and willing to take because that's where I attended. That's why I got drafted. Um, but that's 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 where I think, you know, those strides for myself will continue, and I'll continue to push myself to be there. Um, but, you know, offensively, I think the biggest thing was being able to knock down the three ball off the dribble. Um, I think I don't know what my per percentages are, but I think that's what really helped me and allowed me to get into the paint and, and make plays for others. And then as far as off the court, I think for me, you know, that's the moment in history where we had in the bubble was one of the biggest, if we'll go down as one of the biggest moments in, in history of this country and in the world. And, you know, for me, you know, starting off the year with having, having COVID to coming down and, and, and doing what I've been doing is just something for me, like that's the legacy I want to leave. You know, championships are, are great. Games are great. But at the end of the day, you know, I'm a black man first. And I, that's the legacy I want to be able to tell my kids, look, your dad was a part of this. Your dad was a part of that. Being able to show them that this, this game is great. This game has allowed my family to live the way we live. But at the end of the day, it doesn't hide you from being black. It doesn't hide you from this injustice of the world. And so for myself, I know Jalen and, and CJ, the two guys you mentioned, are, are big on this as well. At the end of the day, that's what it's really about. You know, at the end of the day, basketball goes away in about 10, 15 years if you have a, have a long career. But at the end of the day, I'm still a black man. There's certain things that there's just injustice in this world that I won't that that people on this call that you like you lock that you don't go through. And I don't mean to call single you out, but like there's just certain things that people, you know, don't understand. And I'm trying to be the catalyst and one of the be the, the people who start things and just kind of show people and educate people on the injustice so we can improve as a country. And if I can go down and tell my kids that that's what I did in this world, I would I would be very happy. Thanks, Don. Appreciate it. Next we'll go to Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Donovan, uh, we wanted to ask, you know, how does, do you anticipate your kind of your role changing next year? You know, you, you mentioned kind of being, maybe being more ball in hand. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on that and, and how you kind of expect to change, uh, you know, that part of your game and can continue to evolve? Oh, I don't think it'll change that much. I think, yeah. you know, the, the biggest thing, you, you, there are times, you know, where you look, we're, we're, we're looking for Boyan. I think that'll be a big piece, a big addition, a big relief on the offensive end, um, for sure. Um, I think Mike, Mike, and, Mike and Joe can say the same thing, and JC, Rudy, I think we all can say the same thing. But for me, I think, you know, being able to just push the ball in transition, getting on the boards where we just, we're just pushing, I'm pushing myself as opposed to um, just being the dominant the ball handler because we have four or five, six ball handlers, guys who can bring the ball to four and initiate the offense. So for myself, just being able to be more active, 
you know, on the defensive end, allow me to push on the break, you know, being able to, to start a play and get Mike a shot, be able to get Joe a shot, Boyer on a shot. Um, I think that's where I elevated my game in the bubble and I look to continue to do that uh, this year. And it's going to take some figuring out because when you add Boyan back, it's a different, you know, it's a, it's a different element, not in a bad way, but there's going to be some things we need to just figure out. And I think they, I think we'll take that much more of a leap when we do. Real quick, you, you know you, you get that bump if you get to All-NBA. Do you think you can get to All-NBA? Honestly, at the end of the day, if we win a championship, that doesn't even matter to me. You know, at the end of the day, I tell people all the time, you work hard and you reap the benefits from it. We win, we win, you know, and that's really not on my, on my brain. You know, it's a goal that I've set for myself, don't get me wrong, but at the end of the day, when you're winning, everything else falls into place and we have to win. That's what we have to do. And it's not just the regular season. We have to win. We need to win in the playoffs. We need to do things to put ourselves right there for the championship. And that's the ultimate goal. Thanks, man. Congrats. Thank you. Next, uh, Tim McMahon, ESPN. Hey, Donovan. Uh, I know Johnny Bryan obviously had a, a, a big role in your development and your day-to-day preparation. Uh, what are the kind of lasting things that uh, he left with you and how do you guys, you and the jazz fill that void? Who will you be working with on a, on a daily basis now? Um, sorry, repeat the first part of your question. Sorry. I said, Johnny Bryant obviously had a, a big role in your development, uh, your day-to-day prep. What, what are the kind of the lasting impressions that he left with you? You know, what, what are the kind of the biggest things that, uh, that, that you took from your time with him and then, you know, moving forward, how do you guys uh, fill the void? Uh, you know, who will you be working with on a daily basis? Um, I think, you know, with, with Johnny, man, and I'm happy for him. He got, he got, a, he got a new job. And, you know, I, I think for me the biggest thing is that I got from him was the, 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 the film work, the maturity from year one to year three in the film room, being able to translate that into the court, being able to trust – you know, there, as you know, Tim, you've covered me since I got here, like the, to the progression of being able to trust teammates with shots, you know, because there are times where, you know, I take bad shots. Being able to hear his honesty uh, and let me know that it's a bad shot, you know, more than my teammates would. And I think that's where our relationship really had accelerated because he was hard on me, you know. So for me, being able to understand, you know, and change my view of the game and how I look at the game, being able to slow the game down, take that, take that leap. You know, I, I gave him a, uh, came him and coach Quinn, you know, a, a ton of credit, you know, for, for allowing me one to have the opportunity to have the ball in my hands at a, at a early stage of my career, but also helping me develop to get to where I am. Um, as far as, you know, him leaving, I'll probably pretty primarily be working with uh, coach Keon Dooling. You know, I've known Keon since my rookie year. He's, he's great. He's, he's, I've worked with him already. Um, you know, I think the biggest thing is just continue what we've been doing, you know, and then also adding things as far as, you know, the mental component of the game. So many different things all, as far as the X's and O's. Like I said, we continue to film work, um, but it's not so much of a let's just change and go left. It's just, all right, you've been doing this, but now we're going to add another layer to it to, to help you go take an even, even, uh, even higher step and even more of a step. And I think that's more of a leap, I should say, and that's, that's the ultimate goal. All right, I think we have time for one more question from Tony Jones. Donovan, when you look at this year, what are some of the things that you guys have to do differently than you guys have done in the past uh, in order to uh, to uh, to 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 uh, to advance farther than than the first round, which is where you guys have kind of run into a roadblock in the last two years? Um, We have to defend at a high level uh, on all fronts. We can't just rely excuse me, on our two best defender, or three best defenders, excuse me, Rudy, Royce, and Joe, 
you know, we have to find ways to all of us, one through five, be better on the defensive end, you know, being able to guard. Um, and then on top of that, just continue to take our game. Like if we played the way we played in the bubble, you know, as a team, as a unit, especially on the offensive end, and we incorporate that, and then you add Boyan back, I think we'll be in, in good shape. But at the end of the day, we have to hone in on all the details. And the one outstanding thing we've had is we, you know, we kind of tend to fluctuate. So for us, it's like, all right, you know, you know, you look at it, I look at the three one lead as a, as an example. Like, you know, we got up, you know, and, and things changed. We stopped all of us, you know, we stopped doing little things that got us to that point. So now we have to continue to be perfect. We have to continue to be as perfect as we can be for all 72 games, the first round, second round, conference finals championship. We have to be perfect in every way possible because I think that's what's really going to separate us from being that team that's made it to the first round to get to the semis and get to the conference, conference finals and the finals. Um, so if we can do that and then as well as defend at a higher level and not just rely on Rudy and Fave back there to help us out, I think we'll be in good shape. There's Donovan Mitchell after he gets that big contract extension, and we're getting close now. I think it's like two weeks now until the uh, start of the preseason and three weeks, and well, depending on when they play, a, a day or two, uh, until they tip off the regular season. Can you believe that? December 22nd, maybe the 23rd, uh, but maybe the 22nd. All right, DJ and PK, we got to take a break. David Locke is talking hoops with PK and I next. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. David Locke's weekly interview is brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team. And David Locke joins us now. David, good morning. Good morning, DJ. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. Hope you're doing all right. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving to you and all the locks, too. PK, what is up? <laughs> Me, and I'm ready to go after listening to Donovan Mitchell. I'm fired up for the start of this season. Well, the untalked about Utah Jazz. Zach Lowe wrote like 12,000 words on the Western Conference, and all it said was Utah is rock solid. The only word you mentioned, the ringer put out like 50,000 words on best signings, worst signings, unsung signings, not a single mention of the Utah Jazz. So the untalked about Utah Jazz, how much better are they? Please answer your own question, David. How much better are they? I want to know what you think. How much better are they? They're better defensively. Uh, favors will help with that. The question is the offensive limitations that we see when he's on the floor with Rudy Gobert. Well, two things. One, the offensive limitations we see are, are still going to be there. Will they be mitigated by the fact that uh, – uh, Donovan's a better player than he was last time. Um, they've upgraded uh, from Ricky Rubio to Mike Conley, so offensively that's a big upgrade there. They've added Bogdanovich instead of uh, Jake Crowder minutes. So maybe those three will have a bigger impact um, when Favors is on the floor. And then Favors recently with comments, he doesn't expect to play 30 to 35 minutes a night. He thinks he's going to be down around 24, 25, which given the fact he's backing up Gobert, that's only probably about 12 minutes a game with he and Gobert 
bear on the on the floor together. So there's less of that. So I think there's there's some help there. I think the biggest help is going to be that Clarkson should be on the team when Conley and Bogdanovich are healthy at the same time. We really didn't see much of those three together. So that's another chance for them to improve. Interesting. I hadn't thought about that last one. There's a lot of firepower in that opening eight guys, and so there's going to be a lot of mixing and matching of lineups, and you should be able to really put out 48 minutes of solid lineups the, the whole time. I'm wondering how much DJ just said 12 minutes of Gobert and Favors together. I hadn't considered that they would be out on the floor for an entire quarter's worth of time. Is that the way you see it? Well, I don't think you're taking Rudy under 34. So Rudy averaged 34 last year, which means, you know, some nights it's 36 and some nights on the blowout it's 30. So, you know, someone averaged 34, he's probably built to play 35 or 36 on, you know, on most nights. Um, I don't see us taking that number down much unless Rudy's got a fatigue issue, but he doesn't. He's an elite-level athlete. He's the best defensive player in the world. I can't, can't imagine any scenario where it's advantageous to bring him down minutes. So that leaves Derek with you know, 12 to 14 minutes as the backup center, and I heard the same thing in Derek's press conference. I don't care if I start or come off the bench, and I only expect to play 20 to 24 minutes. So if that's what Derek's expect said and what he's expecting, then the, the math leads to about 10 to 12 minutes of the two of them together. That that was positive in the past. It was just positive because it was so elite defensively. It was incredible defensively and offensively it struggled. I don't know where, I don't know how they do that. Does Derek have to start if that's the case? Do you try to have those minutes together be in bench units now instead of again, second team in some way when everyone else is getting smaller, you actually get bigger. Um, but I don't think, you know, I don't think that 12, 14 minutes for $9 million is maybe that's, maybe that's what Derek's going to do. But I, I would suspect, you know, he played 24 last year and averaged 10 and nine. He's, he was still pretty good. So he's good, right? Like that's, that's the issue with Derek. Derek's really good. He's pretty good to only play 14 minutes a night. So you, there's going to be an, an urgency to play him more than that. And I certainly wouldn't want to be dropping Rudy's minutes in. So as much as we can sit here and say, hey, it's about the whole team, and it is because when the star gets double teamed, you know, the other guys have to be able to make plays. But there's a lot of NBA playoff series where you can look and say, who has the best player? That team's winning the series. It doesn't always hold, but it holds a lot. And, of course, LeBron James has been the best player in the league for about a decade. And the way the Warriors took him down was their three best players. They were so much better at the second and third spots, that if there wasn't a lot of difference at the top spot, they were so much better at the second and third spot, they could beat Cleveland in a playoff series uh, when LeBron was in Cleveland. So I guess the question for the Jazz and every other team in the West is your how close is your star player to LeBron James? When LeBron gets hurt and goes off the court, the Lakers are out of the playoffs. How good is LeBron and how close is your star player to LeBron? And that will tell us a lot about playoff series. Yes, yeah. no, maybe. What do you think? Probably how close are your two best, or even to your three best, are to LeBron, Anthony Davis, and whomever you determine their third best player. Like, it just doesn't matter. Um, they're so good, right? LeBron and Anthony Davis are so good. They're so long again, though they're smaller with shooter on the floor than they were. But, um, no, they're really good. Like, And depending, 
I don't know when we'll see how good they are because they're going to probably be managing some minutes in that group. So it's probably going to be hard to tell how good they how good they truly are. Uh, but they that team feels like it's really good, and I think the Clippers are really good again. You know, it's obviously they didn't react well to the bubble, and maybe a lot of those issues will show up. But the Serge Ibaka signing to me, move them from having a catastrophic offseason to having a great offseason in one move. I like them better with Serge Ibaka than Montrez Harrell. Um, I think I like Luke Kennard. I think lessening Lou Williams' role is good for the Clippers. Luke Kennard's got bad knees, so we got to figure out whether he can stay healthy. But I like what the Clippers did, so I think they're they're really good, too. And um, obviously no one's sure on the Rockets. You know, the Rockets one star is as good as, as a lot of other people's star, and Denver's one star is, is pretty fabulous. So um, those teams obviously have maybe why, you know, I open it up with how little the Jazz are being talked about. I think the issue for the Jazz is, you know, what is Donovan's next step? He's always been a great scorer. He's always been electric. He's not always been efficient. He got much more efficient in the bubble. And, you know, talking to him today, he said off the bounce dribble three was the game changer for him. And we've kind of, I think that's true. The other one, though, I do think is true is as much as everybody wants him to be the point guard is how do you get him two or three more catch-and-shoot threes a game? He's an elite-level catch-and-shoot guy, one of the five or six best in the league statistically, if I remember correctly. And how how do we get more catch-and-shoot for Donovan than we have in the past? Uh, he's he's that great a shooter, and it's it's contrary to what everyone else is talking about, but I think that's that's a key thing for his efficiency. My eyes tell me when Favors would roll to the basket, the best facilitator for him individually was Joe Ingles. Do you think that we see those two out on the floor together a lot because of what I just said? So, um, yes. The numbers actually don't totally tell that story. My memory is correct. I haven't looked at it in a while. But I remember last year prepping for the season and being surprised that the Ingles go bear pick and roll was actually better than the Ingles favors pick and roll. And when I dug into it, and this is, I have not re-looked at this for 12 months or now probably 16 months. So give me a little leeway to be slightly off. Part of it was that that combination rarely got the ball out to three point shooters. Now, one of the big changes in Joe's game last year is that Joe coming off the pick and roll started passing out to shooters more than he had. And with his length, he should be able to do that. Um, but two years ago, Joe's pick-and-roll had very few shots to three-point shooters off the pick-and-roll action. Um, and and so it wasn't – it was, you know, pretty fancy between the two of them. But from a team standpoint, it was not always yielding as many oper- uh, shots for – points for possession as some other combinations that we had. But Joe got better at that last year, continuing to improve. Um, and at six seven, he's got the length to make those passes. So I would suspect we begin to see that. Or maybe part of it is that you know he's got better shooters around him last year, and so those passes were can you know more willing to make those passes than he was prior. So is what Donovan Mitchell did in the bubble sustainable? I mean, he had a four month off season. Now he's had basically a two month off season. So I'm not expecting a lot of improvement and new stuff added to his game. If that's there, 
so be it, and everyone rejoice and enjoy it. But I'm not really expecting it. And the way he referred to it, I mean, he almost said my fourth year. Well, no, I mean the bubble. So he, I think, kind of almost felt like it was an off season. You know, kind of a Freudian slip in the way he was speaking there. Kind of really shows the way he was he was viewing it. So I guess the question isn't, did he get better? The question is, when you're shooting 51% from the floor and uh, about 53% from the three-point arc, can you sustain that over a season? Is that the new normal for Donovan, or is that two hot weeks off the charts, influenced by lack of travel, no crowds? So I think it has to be the latter, or else he's going to be the greatest offensive player in the history of the game. So, you know, no one's ever shot 50 50, 50. Uh, as a guard in this league, I, I don't think that that's the level he's going to. He is a pretty natural shooter, so I do think that some of those numbers can improve. Uh, and to the point of his slip, Kevin Pelton of ESPN did some interesting research where he actually looked at players' trajectory by months of their career rather than by years. Like, we make this arbitrary stop at the end of the first, second, third you know, year and then talk about their development. And because of the uniqueness of the calendar with the bubble we didn't have that this for the first time ever and so he just looked at you know suddenly Donovan Mitchell was in his 39th month of his career and it was actually kind of and Jamal Murray was in his 50th month of his career and that was actually a little bit of the natural progression that they would be taking at that point we had just never seen that timing before so Donovan's correct in the sense that, you know, he was in his fourth year, but really what he was in was in his 39th month or whatever it is. And, and so you're, you saw them progress just in a time period which we don't usually see players play, but we have always just put this arbitrary stop when the season stops. They're continuing to prove mature physically and mentally throughout that process. But, no, there's no way Donovan can average 50-50. He said it well, though. It's his off-the-bounce three number, which has improved a little bit. Um, I think he, you know, there are very few shooters in the league that are off-the-bounce above 36%. If he can get above 36% on his off-the-bounce, he gets pretty unguardable. But I'll say it again. I, I want him getting more catch-and-shoot threes somehow. How are we getting Donovan Mitchell catch-and-shoot threes? He's one of the best in the league at it. It's a higher percentage shot. That, to me, is the shot that has to be added. Now, is that because Mike Conley is getting it to him? Is it because Joe Ingles is getting it to him off the pick and roll? I don't know how we're doing it, but that's, that should be a major focus of, of what we're looking to get done is, is give Donovan two or three more catch-and-shoot threes a game. That's a lot. So, you know, it's one a quarter, basically, if, if, when he's out there. So, um, but that would be an area where I would have huge focus. If Gobert and Mitchell, or not Mitchell, Gobert and uh, Favors play together, whatever, just go with that 12 minutes for the sake of discussion, what does that mean for Bogdanovich? Last year, Bogdanovich mirrored all of Rudy's minutes, um, I think for defensive purposes. Um, and I, I would think he does the same, um, but it does mean he's playing some small forward. Is that a, is that a problem? I don't think so. I don't know. We're, he's not a good rebounder, so maybe having him as a power forward offensively is great and defensively is bad. I don't know. Hmm. I uh, mean, there might be an argument that you want Bob Donovich on the floor with Mike and Donovan, so he doesn't have quite the same burden as. Um with some of the pick-and-roll stuff where his turnover rate was pretty high. On the other, the negative side of that would be, you know, is he going to get open looks? 
if Derek Favors is on the floor and they're not guarding Favors, and so therefore they are hugging Bogdanovich while not guarding Favors, does he suddenly not get any open looks? Bogdanovich is one of, I think it was about 12 players in the league last year who took over five threes a game and shot over 40%. Um, he's got an opportunity to be a Davis Bertans, Duncan Robinson, six foot seven, six foot eight guy who's taking eight or nine threes a game. He's able to get them off well guarded. So that you, you might you might be able to still get him looks because of his unique ability. Um, I'm not sure that that'll be interesting. I, I, you know, I don't, we're taking favors comment and how good Derek is and Rudy's minutes. And I like our logic. Um, you know, it might be less. It might be that Derek's playing 20 minutes a night and then he's, or, you know, maybe Derek's just coming off the bench and he's not to start the year playing any power forward minutes with Rudy. Um, We'll see. And just playing backup center, I don't. I don't know. It's it, it is a little tricky. Are you surprised that Favors is back on that number? Because I'm not surprised he's back. Because I think they know there's some things he brings, and he's got obviously a level of comfort being here. But I always thought he was going to get more money, and that usually determines whether a guy returns or not. Why would you come here for this when you could go get 15 million somewhere else? Maybe the market's just so funky right now; he wasn't going to get 15 million. Um, I don't. But I don't think he had. I don't think he had more money from his press conference that he held with us the other day. I deduced he did not have another. He did not have an offer larger than the mid-level. Mm, okay. New Orleans, he said in the co- press conference that New Orleans told him they were going in a different direction, so they must have known they had the Stephen Adams deal done. Um, and then you only had four teams with cap money. Yeah. Atlanta's got Capella and Okongu, and we saw how they were spending. New York didn't spend, so he could have gone to New York um, on some number probably. Miami wasn't. By, has BAM, and they weren't spending it on a center for more than a year. They weren't signing anyone for more than a year. That's why they lost Jay Crowder. And Charlotte used their money on Gordon. Um, so I don't know that, that Derek had from – I might be wrong. I haven't talked to his agent. But deducing from what Derek said in his press conference, I don't know that Derek had a bigger offer. And centers, other than Mason Plumley, didn't get much bigger offers out there. Maybe Mason, Maybe Derek could have taken the Mason Plumley spot. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder how much of the NBA folk knew that Derek wanted to come back to Utah so there wasn't much interest because why bother if he has his heart set in on returning? Um, he had his heart set on returning. That was clear. Yeah, I don't know how well the league knew it. Well, David, we will let you go now. Thanks for joining us, and we will talk to you again next week. A pleasure, my friends, and I will talk to you soon. There's David Locke, the radio voice of the jazz. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines. Stay with us.